0: Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast, a weekly show about all things engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, industry news, and smartphone batteries. We're your hosts, electrical engineers, Stephen Craig. And Parker Dolman. This is episode 320. So last
1: week, we talked about uh, how I am going to be testing ratchet wrenches. Yeah. Um, Because I have 20 of these ratchet wrenches that need to uh basically do torque testing on and how they feel in the hand. Um I, we got some suggestions from our Slack channel, which is MacFab.com slash Slack. Go join and talk with everyone else. Um one was like put like how much can a human put into it before it like hurts your hand? Which is kind of a interesting uh like
0: metric cuz it's very subjective right it's also it's also like uh, in some ways perhaps it it would be good if it started to become uncomfortable after a while to, so you, you don't apply too much torque right
1: yeah but i was thinking about it and like what if there was a way to like this is get, this is we we're going we we're going to scope creep this this episode maybe <laughs> um, i love it but because um, thinking about that's like okay how do you measure that well it's pressure points right so how do you yeah. measure so we'd have to have figure out a way to measure the force over an area and then mm. apply it, it, that area to the wrench mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. apply the same amount basically downward force and see which one which wrenches had the highest spikes on the map basically i'm thinking like a 3d map of like pressure yeah like, like almost almost like if there was
0: like a mesh of pressure sensors that yeah. you could you know apply to it and and you know we were talking last week about something that is perhaps a positive on these wrenches is is um how thin they are so you can get into tighter areas mm-hmm. but that might also be negatively affect how comfortable they are exactly
1: um So that's one thing to think about is, like, is there a way to do that? Because I know, like, you can get, um, you can go to, like, shoe insert stores. And, like, they have you, like, stand on, like, this, like, plate and they, like, measure your feet with, like, pressure sensors. And they show, like, a map of, like, where the pressure points of your feet are. Um, So we need something like that, but for, like, your hand.
0: Man, okay, so I, I'm I'm just thinking out loud. This is probably a dumb idea, but but something that's going through my mind right now is, if there was a material like like a foam or something like that that is uh, that has a known like compression rate, but it, it permanently deforms. If you could have one of those for each wrench, and you press down on that, and then you have the 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 deformation uh, like negative, you can see. Mm-hmm how how much force is applied in what areas based off of that foam. I don't know. Like I, I it's it's sort of the opposite of what you were just saying with like yeah, stepping no. on the little doctor shoals pad. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you can get the foam
1: and then apply the same force to each wrench. And then the
0: I guess deeper it would go would be more pressure, maybe. Yeah, I don't know that, but that that doesn't necessarily. Hmm. Uh, it's almost more like how sharp transitions are in the foam. Uh, I don't, I don't know. So, I, Craft Lab in <laughs> our Twitch chat because uh, we were live streaming this
1: twitch.tv slash MacroFab uh, says variable resistive pads out of conductive fabric. And that's something I can just like buy though? I don't want to. I'm trying to reduce like how much uh because i know i need to make like a custom fixture to hold all the testing stuff but like um i think man like making a sensor to do this is probably not the right way to do it for repeatability well, like, reasons
0: could you could like uh, is there a way that you could map or sense where the majority of the force is actually being applied and then show how sharp that is. Like if you're applying a, uh, the, the the total amount of force over a larger area, I think that would equate to more comfort. Whereas if there was like a sharp point in the, in the wrench somewhere where most of the force goes, that's probably the least comfortable. How do yeah. you sense that? What would be the best way of doing that? I'm not sure. I don't know.
1: It's something I thought about just, like, on the podcast, so I don't really know. Because <laughs> um, I know you can get, like, pads, pressure sensor pads, but you only get, like, one, one reading, reading from it. Right. Yeah, that and doesn't so we tell need you. Like that just whole tells you for it. Yeah. Ah, uh, pressure sensor, uh, pressure map sensors, apparently, it might be the term. The dude looks like they exist.
0: They're not terribly expensive. Well, the, uh, uh, what kind of forces would you have to apply to them? Are they even in the range of what? You're yeah, I don't know. At, you know. This one just got like, uh, it's called, it's by
1: sensing Um.
0: And what are they called? Pre- uh, pressure map sensor? Yeah, pressure mat sensors. Oh, mat, not map. Okay. Yeah, mat. Huh, also, how oh, they're actually fairly large, yeah, the ones that you stand on are
1: hmm, which would be awesome to basically just be able to I wonder if that's if this is the right way to go for it, or something more um oh, let's see what that one is.
0: Oh, okay, so the ones I'm looking at here don't give you, like, an X, Y, and pressure uh, data. It just gives you, oh, there's pressure somewhere on this map. Yeah, It's still single reading, and that's not what you're looking for. Uh, You want to know the location and uh, amplitude. Amplitude,
1: yep. I need the vectors.
0: (laughs) Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like X, Y, Z, where Z is pressure, right?
1: Yes. No, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, I don't know what would be the best way to do that.
0: Hey, can we pause I do for like just the foam one idea. second? The, I-
1: the thing is, it just be would be like taking a 3D scan of it, though.
0: I'm hearing a lot of background noise. I don't know if what that's mean? on my side or your side. It might be on your side. No, I'm sorry, not a lot of background noise, but I'm hearing it. Uh, It might be on my side. It sounds electrical, actually. Are you guys uh, on Twitch? Are you guys hearing any background noise? I turned everything off in this room. I think it's on my side. So, okay. No worries. Okay. Okay. A uh, hiss is 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 fine. Mine mine it has like a, a period to it. It's like da, da 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 da, but it's like it's low down. But somebody might get annoyed by it. Hmm. I think it, I think the these headphones are going garbage. Does it sound like
1: a oscillating fan? Like a clicking
0: noise? Uh, it sounds more like like a beating noise than a clicking sound. Okay, hold on. Let's try one more thing. No, nah, it's still there. I think it's on my. Okay, end. okay. That was my ceiling fan. I turned off. So There's, no, I think I think this is good. It, if, if 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 people on Twitch aren't hearing it, then we're fine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we just don't do this. <laughs>
1: yeah i think i think
0: that's adding a lot um that probably isn't yeah i think just worth it (laughs) just using it and being like
1: just make it subjective it's fine if some stuff is subjective right because like part of it is like look and feel which is subjective
0: yeah
1: um and then i think last time i talked about using like uh load cells to build, like, a sandwich plate um, that basically the torque will collapse the sandwich plate, basically measure the clamping load, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I did some more research uh, over the past week, and I actually found digital torque wrenches or torque wrench adapters, I should say, that they use load cells but in a rotational manner
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, so you can measure the torque directly. Uh, that's applied to basically the uh, the socket adapter. And uh, I did find stuff that was in the range I needed. Because that was the big thing is I needed something within the range that the wrenches will break in. Yeah. Um, so I got those on order. Now, they don't have an output to them. Like a, they don't have like a 0 to 5 volt output or a uh, 4 to 20 milliamp output. It's a screen. But... I know it's got a Wheatstone in there and it's going to have to have a, um, a amplifier front end. I'm hoping it's not like laptop style in there where like it just all goes into a black box. I'm hoping there's like <laughs> a separate amplifier. If not, then I'm just going to put my own Wheatstone amplifier on it and then like calibrate it with my torque wrench. Um, yeah,
0: I guess, yeah, sure. Because uh, you don't need like a- incredible accuracy for this test.
1: No, I I need relative accuracy, like between each test, am I getting the same number? And that way I can dictate or see uh, which ones are which wrenches are better than other wrenches is basically what we're looking at. Um, And then the other thing is I need to uh, I found a linear actuator that can
0: output plenty of force um, (laughs) to make this work. So. What is it? What is it like? It, it is just a beefy power supply that connects to it? The linear actuator? Yeah. Oh, it's just
1: a super geared
0: down motor. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah, I got you. Okay. And
1: so, um, when I get all those things in, I will finish up the design basically because I need like, to, like, measure everything because none of the stuff has, like, dimensional drawings or anything. So I'm just going to get <laughs> it in and measure it. Yeah. And then, yeah. Throw it into Autodesk Fusion and then, um, I'll probably uh, just get everything made from, like, send cuts and, you know, get everything lasered out, then weld it all together, and uh, make a big Oh, and then I got to make a circuit board, of course, because I need to be able because I want to read in the, the torque wrench adapter reading, and then I also want to control the linear actuator, and I want to get amperage back. So I want to get, like, a current reading from the actuator, because we should see, like, a, a basically a spike when the torque for, or when the ra- uh, ratchet wrenches break. We should see a little sharp peak.
0: Well, and then, yeah, like, and then a massive valley, right? Yes, we should. Yeah. Some kind so of a that, cliff, that's, cliff.
1: Yes. Yeah, so that would be a nice way to, like, line up the, the, the data, basically, is, like, see where peak torque at failure actually was is we will see basically a drop-off in the amperage that goes to the linear actuator. Um, Yeah, maybe in a couple weeks, I'll have the design done, and then we can talk about the design. do you have the parts on order? Yeah, the parts are on order. Awesome. Um, So in a couple weeks, we'll have... I'll have the parts in, I'll do the design. We can talk about the design then, and then probably another couple weeks after that to build it. Um, And you already have all the wrenches too, right? I already have all the wrenches. I already did that. I did that. That's the easy part. <laughs> was buying wrenches. Yeah. And are, um,
0: um, I can't remember. You're videoing all this, right? I'm going to video it all, and uh, it's going to be up on my blog. So. Nice. I'm really looking forward to it. This is, uh, I, I, I've watched a handful of, um, YouTube videos that are similar in nature to this. And it's, uh, these kind of tests are really fun where they're like scientific, but they're not like surgical lab grade. They're garage science. And that's really fun. This is garage science. So, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I can't wait to get, get this project rolling. Um, I guess technically it is rolling because I've spent all the money up front already <laughs> to do it. <laughs> it's
0: like I—I I like how all dollars and wrenches. <laughs> this this involves this involves like mechanics. This involves you're gonna you're gonna have to weld up the whole thing. You're you're making a circuit board for it. You're hacking other people's equipment. Like you're oh, going equipment. all out yeah. on this. You're doing yeah, every doing every like every discipline I know. <laughs> I'm using it. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Project. I kind of so love it. There's
1: there's one more thing about this is this is it, it this is we're going to start crossing into engineering ethics on this project.
0: Oh, okay. okay. So,
1: cuz the goal is to break the wrenches. Like the goal is to break them all. Uh all 20 of them. We'll see if we can or can't. Like, I'm, going to basically, I'm basically designing everything to handle, like, 250 foot-pounds of torque. If it goes over that, no guarantees anything's going to survive, right? So maybe some wrenches will fail or or actually exceed that, which would be kind of insane. But
0: um, Well, and you want your fixture to last at least the number of ratchets you have.
1: Yes, at least that many. Now, the ethics side is another thing that's kind of important for tools... Is the warranty? Do I break the wrenches and then try to get new ones Oh, because mm. most because that's the gray area, like because most warranties are from accidental breaking. Like you're not on purposely trying to break the wrench. Right. I am trying to break the wrench. Okay. Now it would be nice to know what companies war like, actually follow the warranty or so not. Right? Like, that's the whole point of buying Snap-on, is it has a lifetime warranty. So if you break the wrench, you get a new one.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you break the... Re- if the wrench on, breaks in, in normal use, this is very much use. not normal use. Yes. I, I guess... Okay, so it depends on a lot of things, but, like, if you're doing it for... The greater good if you're figuring out these kinds of things such that you can report it for other people then maybe that's that's what it is for maybe that uh, it it sounds like ethical gray area you know yeah it definitely
1: is because I'll put it this way it's a half inch wrench like basically whoever wins wins in quotes out of the shootout I'm gonna buy like an entire set from (laughs) so it's like I would I would want to know what warranty is the best warrant like which one actually replaces it, the the wrenches, um, so that I because that's that's a big that's important right like hmm. in
0: yeah. five years if I break a wrench can I get a, it replaced? Well, you know perhaps there is an alternative. You can initiate the uh, warranty process but then maybe not accept it or like, oh, yeah. At the end, stop it and just it. like report how they did, how the company handled yeah, it. Yeah, that's actually, that's actually a good idea. And then, no, and, and then I way. think, yeah, like you, you kind of dodge the ethical side of it. Yeah. There. Cause you don't
1: actually take advantage of it. Right. Um, right. I like that. We'll do that. Yeah. That's let us know in Slack what I should do about that. But I like Steven's idea cause that does dodge the ethical problem with it. Um, because so. I know I know the ones bought on Amazon, Amazon will probably be just like, yep, just return it. <laughs> I, remember but I think I, they'll uh, only do that up to like 30 or 60 days or something. Oh, uh, donate the to replace tools to a school? Oh, that's a good idea too. Thank you, Chris, in chat. That's a good idea.
0: Well, perhaps, but I think there's still some ethical problems with that as well. Yeah, it's uh, not still not... Uh, it's better... <laughs> On a on a sliding scale of on a sliding good or scale, it is better because you're still not benefiting. <laughs> you're taking advantage it. of the company. Uh, it, and, you are taking I, advantage uh, of the company, though. Yes. So even even if taking advantage results in something that is arguably good, I like that uh, taking bad and turning it into something good still means that the bad thing happened.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I, back in back in high school, uh, hmm. a, a, a friend of mine. Took advantage of of a situation like that just to see if they would they would do it. I can't remember the brand of cable, but it was a quarter inch cable that you could purchase from a music store. Um, they had a they had a replacement policy. If it breaks, we'll replace it. I, he bought one, took it out to the parking lot, and cut it with scissors, and then walked it back in, and they replaced it. They just here you go, and uh, so they they honored it, but yeah, that's also kind of nasty. <laughs> I'm not I'm not into purposefully destroying items unless yeah, there's a neither. reason to do it and I think your reason right now is is good. If you were just like destroying it cuz it would be fun to destroy, yeah, I'm not into that. But yeah. you're you're literally finding out which one is best. I like I I think I think
1: I'm going to do your idea of uh Stephen of start through RMA process and then basically like when they give me like
0: Ship it back, we'll mail you a new one or whatever, and just be like, ah, I changed my mind. Yeah, just cancel. Just cancel. Yeah. And and record, like, you know, how pleasant was the RMA process and, yeah. and how fast were they, that kind now, of stuff. Now,
1: some know? of them are going to be interesting because I couldn't buy, some of them you can't buy directly from the manufacturer. You have to go through third parties. Some cases, like, I couldn't find them in stock anywhere, so I had to buy them from, like, some random reseller on eBay. The brand mm-hmm. new wrenches just Everyone was out of stock, which right. is perfect segue into our next topic. Oh, nice! Which is finding parts regardless of industry and hobby in the current supply chain
0: Melt- <laughs> meltdown. Meltdown. <laughs> I like that. Um, so, 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 what made you think of this? What, what, what's okay. grinding your gears? All right. So, currently,
1: I'm. I, I my red jeep is done. In
0: like quotes, right? Done in quotes, like. I, I kind of feel like we should celebrate this. Like, there should. should be like champagne popping and things. Like, you know, the bumper is thick
1: enough. I could probably break a champagne bottle, <laughs> <laughs> christen it. <laughs> um, so it's done, and I'm actually been driving it around. I I love it. It's a lot of fun. So now it's back on the Grand Wagoneer, the other Jeep the uh, white wagon <laughs> the other jeep the other jeep um don't test me i look at jeeps like almost every other day on craigslist and oh we Facebook all know parker <laughs> <laughs> um so it's back on that and now i need to the last time i like really worked on it was a couple years ago when i bought it um i worked on it for like half a year mm. um hopefully not to spend another half a year on it which is what gets into this supply chain problem right now, um, but basically I want to like uh, make sure it doesn't leak water into the cabin anymore because I've never replaced the seal, so I'd like to replace all the rubber seals and like make it quiet because it has an external fuel pump. Anyways, that's beyond this podcast right now, um, but I needed to buy an intake manifold for my Jeep Grand Wagoneer because I'm going to EFI and I need a different. Footprints where the carburetor would go well in this case. It's a throttle body injection thing um, But it needs a different pattern basically a different bolt pattern different size of holes and that kind of stuff um, And they make them for the for this engine that's in the Wagoneer um, not a big problem normally um, And Usually when I go shopping for parts like like aftermarket parts for cars I try to go to like the manufacturer first and see like do they sell direct If they do, are they in stock? That kind of stuff. So I went to uh, Elderbrock. Excuse me, Elderbrock or Elderbrock, something like that. Um, And that, because that was the manifold I wanted. They're out of stock. So I'm like, okay, they're out of stock. Everyone that does like car, uh, that sells car parts, um, sells the stuff too. They're, They're resellers. And so I went to like Summit Racing, which is like one of the big distributors and then because um, I like I like Summit Racing a lot because they will tell you if they drop ship or not like mm. they will tell you if they have it on their shelf or they drop ship which is a good indicator of knowing if other companies are lying to you mm. about their stock which is what we're going what I'm going to call the drop ship shuffle. <laughs> and you see it all the time in the automotive industry and you see it you start you see it in a lot of places where basically resellers are drop shipping items directly from manufacturers instead of actually carrying it on their shelves which is great for their their inventory right cuz they might be selling their own stuff but then to expand their catalog they're they're carrying other manufacturers right right and they don't want to carry that inventory on their on their uh, shelves, and they don't want to have to pay the taxes on the inventory and that kind of stuff. So they just drop ship.
0: Well, and it, Which, it allows it allows smaller uh, companies or or even large companies that have uh, like very specific styles of stores to be able to stock the daily stuff in their stores, but then like the big crazy items or something can get like drop intake from a warehouse, like yes. an intake exactly. Yeah. Um, but that,
1: but that's why I always go to the manufacturer first and see if they sell it and if it's in stock or not. Because they was out of stock, and I'm like, I wonder if they drop ship. Yes, they do. And so, and then so uh, one of the uh, there's a couple like uh, resellers that just do wagon Grand Wagoneers for Jeeps. Like that's all they do are these cars. And they they said, oh, we have that in stock on their website. So I called them up and I'm like. This is drop ship, isn't it? And they're like, yeah, it is. I'm like, you don't have it in stock. And they're like, no, it'll be, uh, it'll be May before they can get one. Mm. And I'm like, ah. so what do you do about the drop ship shuffle? Go to eBay.
0: <laughs> uh, so, well, isn't, isn't eBay just drop ship singular items from individuals? Yes, but they have it on... You usually take a picture. Yeah.
1: The, the thing about eBay, too, is that there's a lot of dropship items that come from, like, Elder Brock or, like, JEGS or Summit Racing on there, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: They're just, like, disguised a little bit. But if you search enough and you look at... Basically, don't buy something that's got the same stock photo as everything else. You want to find right. the one that's got an f- actual photo that someone took
0: of the, the thing.
1: In, in this honestly, case,
0: yeah, it, 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 when you go to eBay and and you search for something and there's a bazillion like crystal clean pure photos on there, like I dodge those. I'll yeah. I'll go right to the one where some guy has it on the floor in his garage and be like, "Yes." Exactly.
1: Like <laughs> you And have so it. there's a couple people that actually have unopened of these unopened boxes of these of these uh intake manifolds that have actual pictures of them. Mhm. Because, like, they're all different pictures and different lighting and all that. So, you know, they're, like, the person actually has this manifold. So, the first one finishes up auction in, like, three days. So, I'm going to, and it's, like, $150 under MSRP. So, I'm going to try to get that one. Yeah. Um, If not, there's a couple other ones out there. So, I'm not too, like, if it goes over MSRP, I'll be like, okay, I'll just get the next one. So.
0: You know, I I saw a video the other day of uh, some some interesting business practices. This this person was saying, um, "Here's here's here's a you know an interesting way of making money." They went to some store. It was like TJ Maxx or something like that. They saw, they found an item that had a ton on the shelf, and they just took pictures of it, and then made an Etsy account and put. Pictures of something that they didn't even own. It was on the store on the shelf at another store and they upmarked it like three, four X, and then people would buy it on Etsy. They would just drive to the store, pick it up, and then ship it and make a ton of money doing that. So like you don't have any inventory. You don't have you don't any we're talking stock. We were talking about engineering ethics earlier. Yeah, that's kind of messed up, right? <laughs> <laughs> But it's brilliant. <laughs> well, and and the thing is if you can't find it, you just write a uh, note saying either back ordered or sorry this is out of stock. Yeah. yeah.
1: There's no loss to it on the on the store owner side. No, and um, and
0: and and really on the, for the person who's doing that, I mean it's it's shady, it's kind of it's kind of messed up, but uh you know, you you make money instantaneously almost. Like and yeah. you don't have the risk. <laughs> Especially if
1: you can just mark it as back order or like cancel the order if you can't actually get it, there's mm-hmm. zero risk. Yeah. The only <laughs> risk is you drove over there and there wasn't an item to buy.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you, if you TJ Maxx is right down the road. Oh, Steven, we're in the wrong industry. We <laughs> <laughs> need to no, do TJ no, Maxx. We, we care talking. about ethics, is what you would <laughs> We it, care about <laughs> <the>
1: ethics. <laughs> like the fact that I thought about like feeling bad about trying to return a wrench. Like those people would just return them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So craft lab in chat, says uh, another sign is the price that the price is the same as the store, but 10 to $20 more expensive than it is uh, normally offered. It's being drop shipped. Hmm. Um, usually with automotive parts, it's usually the same price. That's the, like, oh, this is dropshipped. So. Like, the EFI thing, um, there's a website out there. I can't remember the name. It's it's the Holly EFI system. Holley's a manufacturer. Um, there's a website out there that that resells them. Um, and they provide better support than Holly does. But they're a drop shipper too, for these items. Because, like, the price is, like... The same, including like the sale price. Like Holly's, like it's ten percent off right now. This other website's, it's ten percent off right now. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's totally. They're just you know using the same API endpoint. But that's the thing is, is a lot of these resellers don't have active API endpoints to know if this if their stock or not. Like your example with the person selling it on Etsy, they don't have an API to automatically just query TGA Max's floor to see if there's right. the, that thing's still there.
0: It, 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 th- that kind of practice, though, like, it relies entirely on the buyer being ignorant to what you're selling, like just not knowing that it's available somewhere else. Yeah. Um, you see that
1: a lot on Etsy, and you see that a lot on Tindy as well, mm, um, which yeah. is a... a um, where you see people reselling basically stuff that you can just go on AliExpress or Alibaba, um, or eBay for that matter. Yeah. They, they buy
0: it, they mark it up and then just toss it on there. Or they're doing the same thing. Or yeah, right. You're right. Yeah. Just um, purchase it and have it drop shipped to you. Yeah. Which
1: is one thing I will say about, um, Adafruit is they do. I'm not ever going to say the same thing cause they don't. Um, because they actually carry whatever they're they're buying. Because like you can go and go to AliExpress and Alibaba and buy like the same stuff, st- st- not all the time, but the st- same kind of items on, on uh, Adafruit. But the thing about Adafruit is they have all the documentation and they write all this code to make this stuff work. And that's worth supporting in that case. Um, whereas if you... I'm just saying like a LED matrix grid, right? Um, you can go to AliExpress and buy the same one. But Adafruit's done all this legwork to make it so that it just works with your Arduino. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, they wrote um, all the libraries and have it. Wrote all the libraries, available. they wrote all the documentation to show you how it works, that kind of stuff. So right. it's worth um,
0: it's worth supporting work. <laughs> yeah the original creator even if it's yeah. open source you know yeah
1: i know some people that want to save a buck and that's fine it's just
0: think about the engineering ethics behind it <laughs> i was not expecting this episode to go this way not about ethics i guess actually yeah some of the future stuff might even <laughs> touch in on that yeah because our next topic is uh
1: Uh, is uh, the EU Parliament adopts new draft legislation. So this is not passed yet. This is like they're putting together all the documentation and like the old illegal jargon that makes engineers roll their eyes back Um, (laughs) like a great white shark. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Drafts new legislation about batteries and phones. And so this is everyone's favorite word on this podcast, dictate... Mm. So they're going to dictate manufacturers of smartphones that batteries must be designed so that customers and independent operators can easily and safely remove them themselves by 2024. I don't know what that means yet. Like, does that mean it has to have like a battery cover so you can just snap it off? Or is it like, oh, you can just unscrew it? or Because right now, you like glue, phones are glued together. Which yeah. is awesome and awful at the same time. It's awesome because phones are now waterproof. Remember when phones weren't and like mm-hmm. you'd get a little bit of water on them and they would just stop working because like the water would go <laughs> into the keys yeah. and they would stop yeah. working? They're waterproof because they're glued together. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're permanent. Um, yeah. Um, awful thing is you have to heat that glue up to separate it and then replace the glue when you put it all back together. So it's the work and, like, usually when you... Cause you have to, like, pry the screen off with, like, a big disc. Usually you Usually crack the screen, too. So most time when you do work on a phone, buy another screen.
0: Because you're going to... Well, and, and, and honestly, that's that's one of the reasons why any work done on phones is typically expensive. Yes. Because the actual to... labor is, is pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what... The documentation
1: doesn't really say much more than what we just said about it, because uh, it's
0: a draft so far,
1: and they probably haven't released the draft or anything like that. This is just like a article about it, I guess.
0: Well, and and the article from the European Parliament um, news was, was that the, 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 they have some bullet points on there, and one of them is being more ambitious uh, in terms of waste management. And so I think that this is a bit more about uh, instead of just throwing your phone away, maybe you treat the battery separately is Yeah, one yeah. of the things. At the same time, uh, as as batteries um, start to degrade over the lifespan of the phone, uh, instead of treating that as in, oh, the phone needs to be replaced, maybe the idea is you replace the battery, and Services. that gives you much more life of, uh, over something that works just fine. Yeah.
1: I mean, I still run a Pixel 2 in... I actually had it. Funny enough, I had it serviced basically, mm-hmm. as uh, I had a uh, a shop take it apart and put a new battery in it and put a new USB connector in it. Yeah, and I'm like, it's like a freaking brand new phone now. It's like, yep. There's, I can probably get. Basically, I saw the Pixel Six with like the band on the back, and I'm like, hell no, I don't want that. <laughs> and so I just, for 150 bucks, I got my phone serviced. And it's like a brand new phone. Besides the fact that it's, you know, a Pixel 2. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, Craft Lab from chat, again, is uh, correct on this. Is A lot of times the the batteries are glued in. So even if you get it apart successfully, that gel cell lithium battery is a little difficult to get out without it bending and then breaking the packaging for it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting what... This, what happens here? Because, like, honestly, I don't think we need, like, battery life is so well thought out on phones now. Like, you can easily go a day and a half usually on a phone charge. Um, So, you don't need, like, back in the day, your cell phone might get, like, six to seven hours. And so, having a battery you can just swap in and out was really convenient when you were traveling and that kind of stuff. Um, but if it was, cause I'm thinking of like, how do you keep the waterproof aspects?
0: Yeah, it's going to be a tough. seal. Yeah. You, you need a seal. You need a gasketed phone. Yeah. You need a
1: gasket. And so that adds thickness and bulk for a gasket. And so, but I'm thinking like, if it was just a screw down panel, you could probably make that smaller. So like the back panel was just screwed together on right. the back. we probably make that smaller. You still need a little more thickness for the gasket, of course, but it's not as bad as um, like a hatch because then you need like all the the need all the plastic pieces. The to... what, what what's that called when the when you you have a plastic hinge that's designed to move like it? Oh, it it's, the a, forms. A, what do would
0: they call it like live hinge or something like that? Yeah, live hinge. So, yeah, something like that. Yeah. But that's usually on like really cheap stuff, not on like your thousand dollars smartphone. That's true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. Um, well, so also this 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 legislation is is they're trying to uh, put this into effect in twenty twenty four. That's pretty soon. So the the like I I noticed some um, <clears throat> some comments. I think it was on Reddit about this uh, with people saying, okay, so now does the world. And and I'm not trying to be myopic here, but the world meaning U.S. and and Europe here does it is there two separate phones that are made, one that is replaceable battery that goes to the European market, and one for virtually everyone else. No, like like no one's going to go through the design work to do both of those. So what it means is the Europeans would or the European Union would uh, dictate what we all get in that situation. And then do do phone companies start to take advantage of that situation and now like you buy the phone and the battery separately and then you get options on the battery and you get like you you get like your starter battery and it's garbage and then they upcharge you for better batteries like maybe right maybe like, talk about I don't engineering don't see ethics. that <laughs> that seems um,
1: like too much waste basically because the only way to get more charge is to make a bigger battery so or just to make a worse battery in the same form factor, I guess. But that seems like that seems like it would take more money to do it that way than if they just made one battery.
0: No. Yeah. Agreed. I'm just saying like, if you're a slimy sales guy and you can get more money out of somebody by making a worse battery and then even more money by making like an adequate battery and then charging extra for that, then Mm. you never know. That's, they might bowl something like that off. Maybe. I, Because we
1: know that um, basically the EU did the whole like standardized connectors for phones. Right. Um, which was interesting because they just said you have to standardize on a connector. They didn't say what it was. Or did they say it was USB? No, I think
0: they were saying USB-C. Well, it was micro at first. Was it? I swear it was USB C. Yeah. Basically it was it was basically clubbing Apple into using USB C. But they still haven't used it. They use Lightning still. I don't know if it's gone into effect yet. I don't remember what the year it was supposed to happen yet. Oh, I'm Actually, talking about older legislation.
1: Like there was I thought one... we talked
0: about that like a year ago, something like that. Yeah, there's
1: something about there was a USB micro one. Oh, how long ago was that? That was
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, September of 2021. So that was actually not that long ago. Uh, the EU yes, there's that to one, force USB-C on all phones. Yes, there's that one. But, but, but there, there was one, one before that that, that,
1: that basically said I think it was just the EU said um Phone manufacturers standardize on one or else is basically what it said. Oh, I think yeah. that's then, what it and, was.
0: And then they didn't, so they're like, "Well, here you go." No, C. they they did. <laughs> except
1: they did. They all standardized on mini first, and then it was micro, and then they went to Type C. And the only one that didn't do it is Apple. So they wrote. I think the whole idea was they wrote this that last September one to basically say you got to use this now or else.
0: Well, wait, think, wait, correct me if I'm uh, wrong here, but I don't think Apple ever used Mini or Micro, did they? No, because the, the thing, the, how it was, if I
1: recall, this is just me remembering from like sure. seven years ago or eight years ago <laughs> at this point, is yeah. it, the, it was written like, y'all need to standardize or else. Oh, Not, they're just you saying need you need to use this. Got it. And so Apple was like, well, Lightning is a standard.
0: We'll just use that. i like that yeah this is this works right everyone likes this yeah everyone likes that even though like the cables
1: break like crazy (laughs) Um, that's funny yeah i don't know this it's one of these i don't like we we've had this talk before with uh right to repair that kind of stuff and uh Steven and I are not really big fans of dictating what manufacturers
0: should do. Forcing. I don't like actually, I want to say words. manufacturers. This is
1: dictating designers of smartphones, yes. not manufacturers yeah. of smartphones. Um, but it, it's one of those ethic things, I guess. And the outcome is better. It's one of those rare things things where the outcome could be better.
0: I I think could be is
1: could be because the problem with the uh, legislation from last September, which is saying use type C and that's it. Right. Well, what happens if something, what if type D comes out? (laughs) Right. And now type, but we can't use type D on phones because the law says type C now that might be a straw man argument, basically, because they'll just it might be.
0: I mean, regu- regulation does tend to stagnate things because it moves yes. slower than what individuals or designers or, or even large companies can do. It's yes. not as nimble, but I mean, there's, there's good reasons for and against it. Uh, yeah. at, you know, at the at the same time, like the I'm, I'm not a huge fan of telling companies you need to be better and I get to define what better is. And then if you're not, I get to force you. Uh, That's it. it Fits a little bit into that kind of category, so it's sticky for me. Um, Yeah, and
1: and this is one of the things is I haven't looked, but is there a manufacturer or designer that sells a smartphone with a battery that is easy to replace? And if that is something, I think they're small. If that answer is yes, I'm thinking like a smartphone, like you know. A screen with a camera on it is what the, <laughs> the designs are, right? Right. Um, if that exists and that is something you care about, why don't you own one? Mm-hmm. It could be it doesn't exist because that totally is. Then you can't own well,
0: one. I think they're niche. I think I think something with those kind of applications are uh, you would have to seek it out, and you would have to care about seeking it out.
1: Yeah. So is this really something like? I agree with making it easier to replace so they last longer. Yes. Okay. I don't think that might be something that a consumer themselves, like
0: when it says consumers, that's like average Joe, right? Like yeah, that's like buying a battery off of Amazon and slapping it. At, you yeah. know, go, Doing it yourself. Do it yourself. But anyone can do it yourself. Well, I and, don't but, but think you, that But is you have something... an example like you brought your phone to a, a place and they did that for you. So, it's not impossible. Yes. It can be done. If it's Correct. something somebody yeah. cares about, they could make it happen, right? Correct.
1: So, that, that that's that's what I'm getting at is okay, it's something that your phone is going to go through once maybe twice in its lifespan, okay? For like cuz we're talking about now that where we want longer battery life, or we want to change the battery so our phone lasts longer. You know, more than three years, basically. Um, So do you actually need a removable panel? Could you just make it so that it gets glued together easier or comes apart easier or something like that? Or you use like a different kind of glue or, you know, this is what I'm thinking. Like, does it have to be consumers to replace it? Can you just take it to a shop and pay 50 bucks to get it replaced instead of 150 or whatever?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, I see what you're getting at there. Does it now I like to doing my own the owner themselves. Yeah,
1: I I'd like to do my own stuff, like everything, right? But, that was something that I actually paid something else, someone else to do because I knew that it required. I basically looked on how to do it myself. I'm like, I don't have those tools. Yeah, but i and I'm only going to be using those tools
0: once in my life for sure. Yeah, on this case, so I'm going to ha- pay someone who has the tools already. Well, okay. So I think perhaps the, the the situation is this: maybe they're drafting this legislation with the hope that if we make it as easy as possible for people to replace their own batteries, then e waste and um, properly disposal uh, disposing of batteries, uh, the, the, like the, that's promoted. Like, uh, well, yeah. It, yeah. In no. other words, like the, the the best situation could happen if you make it such that the individual owner can make that choice. Sure, sure. I'm, I'm no, not I think that's of, a like, weak argument is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's
1: a really weak argument, I would say. Um, yeah. Because just making it easier so that at the, at the end of its lifespan, it can come apart easier to recycle the battery separately. Totally valid, right? But at that point, you don't care if the phone goes back together so you can just destroy it, taking it apart. So it's not a big deal. Hmm. Um, so a consumer doesn't need to do that. Right? That's the recycling plant where you huck your phone at. Um, So I don't know about this. Um, I do agree. I like, like, my phone is on a second battery now. And uh, it would have been nice if I was able to do it myself with the tools I have. Right? Like a hot air gun and, or maybe a small screwdriver. But then, is that something that every user, like, has to be able to do that's that's my yeah. question does average joe or average joe or average joette can't be sexist <laughs> right um
0: to replace the battery like i don't, I don't know about that that's it's just interesting to think about uh, yeah i guess i'm just not entirely sure what the end goal is like why is this necessary yeah it's the same thing with the um,
1: it's the same thing with... The, well, my problem with the type C mandate is stagnation, um, which might not be a problem. The EU tends to get stuff done faster. The, the EU parliament over there tends to get stuff done faster than uh,
0: U.S. citizens are used to politics move or policies moving towards. Uh, well, and... and- not to get too political with it, but I think it's because they're perhaps a little more uh, eager to do things that have the words mandate and force and require and dictate in them. Whereas we're a lot more allergic to those terms on this side of the pond.
1: Could be. That could be true. So, um. you
0: know, getting stuff done, I'm using scare quotes here, uh, doesn't necessarily mean something is better. Like, yeah, sure, like something... No, it's, I I'm saying that's an
1: anti-argument, or not anti-argument, it's a stupid term. Um, it's an argument against stagnation in terms of mandating USB Type-C. Because then, oh, they would be like, oh, USB Type-D is now out. We'll just make that the new thing.
0: Yeah. You know, and and the thing is, like, if you're worried about, like, consistent e-waste and you're worried about, uh, you know, uh, excessive consumerism and things and you don't have problems with, you know, uh, telling people what to do, then why not penalize people who purchase uh, phones on the very regular? You know, that's probably you'd probably do more good for the environment, preventing someone from getting a new phone every three months, as opposed to somebody, you know, trying to just promote somebody who wants one who wants to replace their battery, right? But like, there's some serious problems with what I'm saying there. So, You mean phones can be recharged? You don't have to buy new phone every day? Yeah, they're not (laughs) one-time (sighs) buys. Yeah, I don't know about this.
1: Um, I like the idea of making it easier to replace um, or easier to remove so you can easily recycle them, which is good. I just don't know about... Consumers themselves, mandating consumers themselves being able to do it, because mm-hmm. then I'm just thinking about the design aspect of like the benefits of the current design. I think people don't realize come from the fact that it is not as serviceable as it is. It's like a a lot of devices, industrial devices, are potted, which are mm-hmm. like you can't do anything. Oh yeah, hard it. urethane kind of stuff. Yeah, hard urethane uh, stuff. And it's like. That's because without that, it would be almost impossible to seal that device correctly.
0: Yeah, it has characteristics
1: because it is potted. Yeah, it would last, like, it would last less... Its lifespan would be lower if it was not potted, usually significantly. Right. Um, So it's interesting. I think people aren't seeing that side of the story. It's like when we talk about right-to-repair. We brought up a lot of other things about it and gave people to, you know, gave people stuff to chew about. Um, Be interesting to see what people say about this uh, draft legislation now since we put our thoughts out into the world now. Um, The recycling stuff is important though because right now it's really hard to recycle phones um, because you do have to have specialized equipment to pull them apart to get the battery out. So that could be actually one of the things is like making it easier to pop it apart so that you can get the battery out and then separate the electronics out of it and then separate the screen out and all the plastic bits.
0: Yeah. I almost like the idea of being able to opt into a program when you purchase your phone, maybe you pay some amount when you purchase it and, uh, that goes towards its recycling when you go to replace it, and so you return it to the exact same place. And there's a program where they take it and they handle it properly,
1: like a deposit on a can.
0: Yeah, effectively. <laughs> Ex- yeah, exactly. And uh, and and so then then you know it's not based purely on the con- the the not consumer the uh, the customer at the end having to know what to do other than mm-hmm. it's time to replace this. I give it to the people who are the experts in this. Yeah, I could see if they.
1: I got an idea. What if you use an adhesive? Because right now they use an adhesive that you have to heat up and melt and it comes apart. But Mm -hmm. you have to still, like, pry it apart. Like, it's pretty forceful. Um, What if they use a glue? They put springs in it. And so when the glue hits that temperature, it just all springs apart. (laughs) And then all the parts are
0: separate and you just put them in the right bins for recycling. Oh, Yeah. I like that you just throw the phones into like a very special kiln and they explode yeah. and there's parts just flying. Parts away. going everywhere and you just have to sort out the parts and then you're done. I Parker, with the ideas we have, I'm I'm amazed that we're not richer than we are. <laughs> <laughs> that um, that that right there was an idea tank. Uh, that was an idea tank. <laughs> <I did. laughs> the concept. I think that that the problem with
1: that is uh, the springs are also one of those like one-time use only things. Oh yeah, like it's 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 something in the phone that's only being going to be used once in its lifespan.
0: Right, right, and like, you, and, like, and on top of song. that, you don't want it, it like during its regular lifespan, you never want that to actually happen. No, yeah. Uh, yeah I I I, they, I like the idea of someone like walking down the street and then their pants pocket just explodes explodes and the <laughs> strings parts and parts of <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and I think this needs a little bit more thought, a little bit more um yeah. yeah. Well we'll see it's it's new uh legislation. Um Oh I was talking about exploding phones, but yeah. Oh phones. Expl- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I
1: want to see when that finally comes out of uh, their debate cycle um,
0: and so we can read it and actually see what it's going to be about. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be uh, interesting to see how phones will have to adapt for it. Yeah.
1: That's that's actually the big thing is like how – because people are not going to go away from like how waterproof their phones are. Like that's way too convenient now. Uh of a, a feature basically so it's one of those okay now what how, how do you make a how do you keep the thickness and size and uh, also now you have to be able to replace the battery
0: I honestly I think uh, most of engineering design is making educated compromises and uh, if you're forced like if if you don't have an option you have to do this and you can't or it makes it incredibly difficult for it to mm. be waterproof well, our phones go back to not being waterproof. Yeah. Well then they'll just mandate them to be waterproof again. <laughs> okay, well then everything just gets really expensive
1: or just larger.
0: Yeah, true. Which they have yeah, been, like, oh. everything is co- compromises, right? Yeah.
1: Phones are just way too big to now. Like my I saw what the Pixel six sizes are and I'm like, oh, that's like the big like XL and my friend's like, no, that's the normal size. I'm like, holy crap, it's like, oh, it is as big it's as the no. XL. Like the no. like like, ta- like the big one's like a tablet.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like the old notes. Yeah, like an old note, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: No. I think we'll save uh the next topic for later. We're hitting we're fifteen. Yeah, points. we're
0: we're right about an hour now, so yeah.
1: So that was the MacFab Engineering Ethics Podcast.
0: We're your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. Later everyone. Take it easy.
1: Thank you, yes you are listener, for downloading our podcast. If you have a cool idea, project or topic or idea of how to make phones better let steven and i know tweet us at macfab at longhorn engineer or at analog eng or email us at podcast at macfab.com also check out our slack channel you can find it at macfab.com slash slack and also our twitch live stream which is twitch.tv slash macfab and that starts six o'clock every tuesday six central